0: Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Courtside Rebulence and Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. We have with us again, Hall of Famer, my co-host, Steve Flank. Steve has been on site pretty much, I think he's been on site every day since the tournament yeah. has started. We're excited to have him on, excited to hear some insight. Steve, um, we are obviously got to start with Serena, but uh, before we even talk about Serena, it's been great every day you've been there, huh?
1: Yeah, no, it's been, a, it, it, you know, it, it, this is the stage of the tournament where things seem to really take off. Once we get down to third round on is when I enjoy it even more because seeds versus seeds and you start anticipating those big quarters and semis. And yeah, it's been a, it's been an excellent first week and we've been lucky with the weather. We may be getting some storms coming in uh, starting tomorrow, I think. But fortunately, we've got those roofs. So we'll be in good shape.
0: Yeah. Let's timestamp it for the listeners. It is uh Sunday morning. So the round of 16 matches are all set on the, on both the men's and women's side. Um, so I'm going to, once we're done with this, I'm going to do my best to, to get this edited and out to everybody. So everyone will be able to hear this before uh, first ball today. So with that, Steve, uh, let's start with Serena. I know I have some thoughts, but everyone wants to hear your thoughts. You've been on site. Um, absolutely nobody saw her playing as well as she did these first three rounds. Um, obviously we'll talk about the third one with Ali a little bit more, but again, you know, we gave credit to Renee last time and she had a Renee Stubbs on, uh, her team, but my gosh, um, again, no one saw Serena playing as well as she has these first three matches. When you take a look at what she did in, uh, Wimbledon. Canada, and Cincinnati.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, those those did not go well at all. She lost three out of four matches in the three tournaments you mentioned, beaten in the first round of Wimbledon, won one match on the hard courts over the summer. So it was not encouraging. And so you, you, we, we couldn't know for sure she could even survive the first round. And I thought there were shaky moments in the first round, a two-love lead in the first set, and then went down 3-2, game point for 4-2, and pulled herself together and played a great second set. Then she goes to con- Conovate, I, I I thought that Serena, she talked le- afterwards about not feeling any nerves, nothing to lose in this tournament, hadn't felt that way since 98, but I didn't. T- I, I saw moments where of tightness. She didn't serve out the first set against Conovate, double-folded it away, and I said, okay, that's not a good sign. She managed to win the breaker, lost the second 6-2, and then eventually came through 6-2 in the third, but there were a few anxious moments. She handled them well. She played well. Conovate looked a bit like a deer in the headlights, a little bit frightened understandably dealing with a crowd like that that was so vociferous on, and predictably so on Serena's behalf. And then finally against Tom Janovich, it all caught up with Serena. Once again, she didn't serve out a set, 5-3 first set, and and then uh, lost four games in a row and then looked like she had the second set at 5-2, the marathon game, all the set points, and eventually didn't win it until the tiebreak. It took so much out of her, David, that even though she led one love 40, 15, third set. there was a glimmer of hope there that she might uh, reach the round of 16. you know then she never won another game. but I thought Tom Jonovich played really well. Uh, I thought her re- her returning was unbelievable. I mean the first set she uh, she broke three times, she broke two more in the second and three more in the third. And to break Serena eight times across three sets is a is a great effort and I didn't think Serena served that badly and I also thought. Serena looked a bit frozen at times in the third, when when uh, Tomjanovich would would sort of pin her in one corner and then rifle a forehand to the other for an outright winner. And uh, Serena was caught off guard by a lot of those. But still, you're right. And then we have the last game with Serena saving all those match points spectacularly. and And so it was really the right way for her to go out. It was not a typical 6-1 set. That last game was so long and arduous and was closer than the score would indicate but she she could go out proudly and she did.
0: That last game uh, as you referred to Serena saved six match points she actually had a couple break points Steve I want to ask you this that crowd in that last game was crazy and you know she always goes out fighting Serena has fought through her entire career and it's 5-1 right if Serena breaks converts one of those break points at 5-2 The place erupts. There's now a changeover. Think of the pressure that Alia had. And and I want to talk about Alia, too, because she was stone cold killer mentality to do what she did in that atmosphere. But if Serena had converted that game, would it have completely shocked you if Serena wins that third set 7-5? A little bit, it, not completely. But I, I will say this, you know, Serena's
1: almost 41 now. The great comebacks that we think of Serena were in her 20s and 30s. It's. It, I thought she looked physically, not in that last game because she was going for broke, but on the other hand, it was a lot of hit and miss in that last game. She hit those great winners. And then when she'd have a chance to get back to break point, she'd go go for the forehand and hit it two feet long. So you, no doubt the crowd, would it would have been tough. And Tom Jonovich, she would have had to, Think about it for that. That changeover would have been difficult, but she still would have had that cushion and she was returning so well. She would have then had two more chances, chance to try to break Serena to close it, then a second chance to serve it out and another chance to break Serena to close it. I really don't think we would have reached that point because I don't know whether Serena would have had it in her physically. It was already three hours. So to win yes. it was three and a half hours. And she was in remarkably good shape considering how little tennis she played in the last year. But I think it I think that it would have shown. We'll never know. She alluded to it. She said, oh, I've come back from five when she's done it once against, She did that against Kleisters at the Australian Open once, which she was down five, one in the third in match points and won the match. And uh, so I wouldn't put it past her, but I think at this age, considering how little tennis she played, I, I still tend to doubt it, but the, the crowd would undoubtedly have been frenzied. And, and that's not easy to be on the opposite side of the net when that's going on.
0: Yeah, I, I, I want to hit on a couple more things again, because it is Serena, it's, it's most likely her last singles match. Um, You know, we saw so many signs of her greatness throughout her career and in a, a microcosm in this match, even, you know, four all in the second set tiebreaker, she comes up with an ace, a big forehand down the line yeah. winner after a long baseline rally, followed by, followed by a crushing service return winner to take that set. Um, We also saw how many times throughout her career even again it's Alia as well. Down a break point or tight moment in a set comes up with an ace. Yell like this, Steve. It, it brought back nightmares of, of Pete Sampras for me because as an Andre guy, right? Pistol Pete did that so many times. Um
1: yeah, but you know, David, for, for all you're absolutely right, and there were flashes of that. Mm-hmm. There was the sporadic brilliance, the sporadic big point prowess that we always knew Serena owned, and that and 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 it, and it also. <laughs> The essential Serena was there in that last game to save all those, the match points. And she did it almost entirely with winners. And, and, and that's her. There's no doubt about it. But she can't do it in, on the, in the consistent basis she once did. And I think she, in her heart, she knew it. I think part of the reason she decided to retire is she knew that uh, she just sensed that, that she doesn't have it in her anymore to put in that full of commitment and, and also knows that you've got to play more. And that's why she joked uh, in the in the on-court interview about, oh, I should have started sooner. Because she, she did realize, as you alluded to it, she had played even a little better than she expected. And she's thinking to herself, if I would have just started back maybe during the clay court season, where would I be now? But there was a reason she didn't, because she wasn't ready to make the commitment. And there was a reason she lost here. It's because she knows that this is the right time to leave the game. And she went out stylishly.
0: a oh, winning- 100%. I mean... We mirrored this. I tried to make the comparison. You know the the to the to the Andre retirement in New York, and we can't compare it to Pete because we no one knew it was Pete's last time playing in New York. We he didn't announce that he wasn't going to play again, so we would compare it to Andre a little bit. They both won their first two matches. Again, they won their first round, then they upset you know upset a seed in their second round. The third round match where they both lost, completely different circumstances. Andre played in the day; he was hurt, he couldn't move. Serena played at night. Atmosphere was absolutely electric, and Serena played. Well, she just played against, like you referred to earlier, Alja Tomjanovic, who, my God, I mean, just from a mental fortitude standpoint, she was rock solid. Oh, and no, then she you handled add, it. Add she, the tennis part to that, she played great. There was only a handful of people in the entire world that could have done uh, what alia did in that type of environment.
1: No, and she, and she was very poised. She's not known for being... The best player under pressure—that's no knock on her. A lot of players are, are tend to, to wilt a bit under the pressure. Now she handled that beautifully. I will say this though, not to knock Serena—the second, the Conivate is not the second best player in the world right now. No. Whether or not she's seated two, and people—and and—and Serena knows that. I think she knew that. She knew it was a good win for sure. But it wasn't a typical win—a win, a, a win that typical of beating a number two seed, because Konaveit has been in a, in a slump since early in this season. So that has to be taken into account, and it kind of show—it it showed because I think that Conovate got a bit tight in the first set tiebreak, and then she had a couple of break points in the third set that she couldn't convert, that could have put her back on serve. And you know, one of them was in the third game, which could have gotten back to one two, and she she missed a pretty easy forehand. So you could see that she was really apprehensive and Serena exploited it to the hilt and played beautifully. But no, I, it, you, you feel like Conovite might be more like number 10 or 12 in the world right yes. now, rather than two.
0: Oh, agreed. I was just kind of saying they both had beaten a seed in their second oh, round. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, no. And look, Andre see beating Baghdadis. It was a terrific win, too. And he'd been in the uh, finals of the Australian that year, Baghdadis. It was a great win, too. But I, I just feel like it 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 was a fitting script. It kind of yeah. ended the way it probably should have ended because they started talking, as you know, David. About a lot of people started asking her, "What about winning the tournament?" And so after she won the the Conovid match, and Serena's like, "Well, I'm not thinking that far," which was the right thing to say and the right thing to feel. Realistically, even if the draw opened up as it was, she just wasn't up to winning seven matches. I mean, yeah, physically she could have gotten stronger, but it would have just been a you know, more astounding feat than even Pete at the 2002 Open when he'd had a difficult year and was seeded 17th. And he he ends up winning the last tournament he'd ever play and beating Agassi in the finals. It was different circumstances because Pete was still playing that entire year. Right. And, and Andre, too. He was playing. You know, he had lost to Nadal at Wimbledon. He, he, it wasn't sort of coming out of the blue. For Serena, she tried I think she made up her mind after Wimbledon. Thought I didn't play too badly there. If I could just play a couple of hardcore tournaments, let's see what happens. And then those tournaments didn't go the way she wanted. So in that sense, it was a bonus. Imagine had she just bowed out in the first round here, that would have been for her very disconcerting and a very disappointing way to end it. So once she'd won one match, that that then it was going to be a pretty good ending. When she won two, it was a terrific ending.
0: Yeah, I agree. And Mark Lucero, who's who's been on the pod before. He's coached. He coaches Stevie Johnson. And he's coached uh, some other players, professional players as well. Um, he said uh, the match with, with Alio was at the loudest on Ash since 2006, Andre and, and Baghdadis. And it, it very well could have been because both those matches were uh, the atmospheres in those matches were, were crazy. So it was interesting well, I, that he put that out there. I, yeah,
1: I would say especially just the feeling of sitting out there for the first round match. I think it was there from the from the opening bell. For all three of her matches comparably loud and and I'm sure that was very uh, rewarding for her emotionally rewarding because she's had crowds get on her side for for sure but nothing quite like that so she could take that with her and and I'm sure she will I'm sure that the ringing of the applause in her ears will will be there in the eye of her mind for a long time
0: well said and you know I feel like whatever we talk to now doesn't you know it doesn't doesn't measure up to, to what we just talked about Serena but we have to move on Serena um, great great career I mean and again I echo Steve all of your thoughts obviously you've covered her her entire career. Um, Serena well done and congratulations and you've moved the needle not just in tennis but you've moved the needle in sports uh, in, in, in a positive way and congrats to, to you and best of luck moving forward with that um we'll move over a little bit to the men's side um want to start with a match tommy Paul casper Rood and tommy's had a good run this summer he's had some really golden opportunities to even go further he hasn't capitalized all of um in all those opportunities I think he's right there we talked about mental fortitude here's an example he splits the first two tets, sets with Casper Rudy's up six, five forty 40 love in the third set gets broken, loses that tiebreaker. You think he'd go away? He doesn't. He wins the four set before eventually running out of gas. Steve, I want to ask you, he's had a heck of a summer and I think he's right there. And I think 2023 could be a spectacular year for Tommy Paul.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I think it, it you know, it, I'm sure it really, I, I'm sure it will linger in his mind that he didn't serve that third set up because yes, Gut, gutsy and, and impressive that he could come back to win the fourth. But imagine if he, he does serve out the third and he's up two sets to one, pretty good chance for him to close. Maybe he would have closed it in four. So again, there, there are opportun- opportunities eluding him that you, we've talked about over the summer that, that I'm sure are frustrating, but he's had some really good wins. He had a win over Alcaraz over the summer. He, he, you know, it, he's, he's made immense strides over the course of this year. That, that could have been a real opportunity, though. Because I think if Tommy would have won that match, he w- he would have really had a great chance to get out to a quarterfinal against Berrettini or Dovidivina, yes. one one of them. It, the, the the opening would have been there, and he knows it. And his coach Brad Stein knows it. And uh, listen, he he uh, the crowd, everybody was looking forward. That 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 Armstrong was filling up. I was there for the preceding match, and you could see that everybody was trying to get there early so they could watch the Tommy Paul match against Rude because it was clearly going to be probably more appealing than any match that was even played in Ash stadium that day. And that that place was, you know, it was quite an atmosphere for Tommy. And obviously it's nice to play in front of your, your fans at home. He just couldn't quite pull it off. And I'm sure he's disappointed that the fifth set was so one-sided.
0: Yeah. I'm going to stick with, with the Americans. And I know we talked about it in our preceding episode, Brandon Holt, Tracy Austin's son, he had a very nice run uh upset taylor fritz had to be terribly disappointing for taylor taylor even said you know in this press conference after i felt like an idiot thinking i could win the tournament i mean taylor like you said in the previous episode was a whisker away from making the semis of wimbledon and he's been playing great disappointing for taylor great win for brandon brandon lost the crusher the in the the second round um but Americans again, you had to, I mean, I know your relationship with Tracy, you've known her a long time. You had to feel good for, for Tracy and Brandon.
1: Of course. And for their whole family. And and uh, I'm sure it was hard for Tracy to watch because Brandon here, he's won a string of three straight three set matches in the qualifying, which of course are best of three. So they all went the distance. And then he, then he beats, it comes back against Taylor really nicely to win in four and he wins the first two sets of his second round match, 6-1, 6-2. But then two of the last three sets he lost in breakers, and he was up a break in the fourth set before that one got away. So that that was, I'm sure, a harrowing defeat from him, but a great learning experience because you, you realize, OK, everything went my way until then, and I thought I was cruising. I You know, he probably was envisioning a place in the third round of, of the U.S. Open, and and it got away. Not that he collapsed. I mean, those are two of those last two sets were exceedingly close. But it'll be a lesson that you can't take anything for granted, and that, and that, of course, the, I'm sure the one thing that Tracy would drum in is it really doesn't matter whether you win those sets six one six two or seven six seven six. The value is the same, and it, it it can be misleading in your mind when you when you win sets that easily. But I think he takes so much away from this open, having qualified, having beaten Fritz. And I, I'm really fascinated to follow him in the in the months ahead and into next year to see what he can do with this.
0: Oh, 100%. And sticking with the Americans, second year in a row, unfortunate um, because he came out on fire in both his first-round matches, both last year and this year. Jack Sock, if you remember last year he played Sasha Zverev, came out on fire for the first yeah. set and a half, yeah. got hurt, couldn't finish that match. This year he plays Diego Schwartzman, wins the first two sets. Back locks up, can't move, has to uh, default. We've all known the talent is there. The firepower is definitely there. But um, hopefully he can continue to get stronger physically um, and last in these three out of five set matches.
1: I, I hope so. Although I think it's kind of chronic with him, David. I, I worry about that. and But I do think, you know, he'll have a lot more double success if he wants it. And you know, there'll be there'll be sporadic brains and singles. And he can, and, and certainly the main tour events, best of three, he's got a much better chance of standing, you know, a match like that or the Zareb one a year ago, maybe he wins it. If it's in Cincinnati or somewhere else, it's best of three. And he's really vulnerable in these best of fives that matches and the other players know it, but, but it was, it was another impressive showing. I mean, two years in a row to be playing at that level and putting himself in a potentially in a position to win and not being able to pull it off. Well, I, I I hope that's not the last we'll see of Jack at that level and uh, but we're, we're going to find out i think I, I don't think he's to, comes away totally discouraged mm-hmm. by losing losing like that and I think he'll, he'll we'll, we'll still see more of him in the future
0: and the last American we want to talk about before we get into a, a few of the uh, round of 16 matches jJ. Wolf. great tournament for JJ. Beats uh, Batista Goot in straight sets. Yeah, Um, Kyrgios was just too good for him the other night. But J.J. Wolf, again, um, fair showing. Very, very good showing for a kid from Midwestern state of Ohio. No, I
1: liked – I enjoyed watching him. I actually – you know, I mean, it was – Batista Goot maybe slightly past his prime going in. I wouldn't have thought he could win that match. That was a great win. I didn't see much of that. I saw a lot of the Kyrgios match. And what I liked was he never gave up. He lost in straight. He kept, but every time he'd hold his serve in the third set and stay in there, you'd see him getting all pumped up. And the attitude was excellent. And, uh, I I, you know, he definitely takes something. He's had just a good summer period. And it's nice for him to beat a player of Bautista's caliber. So I expect some big things from him uh, during the autumn as
0: well. Well, let's get started on some of the um, – we're not going to go over every one of them because I know you got to get going and get, get back on site. Um, but uh, I'll mention a few of the round of 16 matchups, and I'll take get your quick hits on them. The Obviously the big one tonight, Sunday night, Daniil Medvedev, Nick Kyrgios. Um, your quick thoughts on that, and does the winner of that match win the entire tournament knowing Rafa's on the other side?
1: That's a great question. I, I I tend to think that the winner of that match will be in the finals. Yes, uh, the way I, and the way I look at it now, depending on the Dallas physical condition and Rafa looked better in the third round. He Gasquet is always an easy, you know, it's eighteen and zero now, and it's you you have a comfort level against him because of the dominance, of, of course, over the course of their careers. But physically, he just looked better to me too. And I think he felt good about that. And what, But again, projecting, I would still say that either, Med, either Medvedev or Kyrgios, in my mind, would be the underdog against Rafa. That's a strange thing to say about Medvedev as the defending champion, but I feel he's still haunted by the loss to Rafa in Australia in the finals when it looked like he was headed inexorably toward a, a second straight Grand Slam tournament victory. Went up two sets to Love 3-2, Love 40 in the third. So almost broke the match open in the middle of the third and eventually lost seven five in the fifth because after that Rafa beat him very decisively in Acapulco in the semifinals. And they haven't met since. And then Daniel has not, Daniel has been, has played well since, but it, he hasn't been that confident. He won Los Cabos at the start of the, of the summer. So I, the match with Nick will be fascinating and, and Nick is a three, one record against him. Daniel did beat him in Australia. But Nick is playing much better now than he was in Australia. And he's much Who's better. winning,
0: Steve? Who's winning this match?
1: Well, you know, you're putting me on the spot. I'm, I'm going I'm to take a chance. I'm going to say Kyrios in four. Yeah. But I,
0: I, I would probably echo your thought. He's just playing so well right now. But I don't say it
1: with a lot of confidence because I think Medvedev is going to be determined to strike back at him and determined to turn it into a physical war as well. And I don't eight, think a lot
0: of people have been talking about Daniil. you know, a, a lot of that is being, he's been on court so late. The last few matches yeah. he's played after Serena at night. Um, so he's going about his business quietly. Um, I, I, I agree with you. I would say, I would say curious four, but I don't have a lot of confidence saying that as well because no, Daniil, I mean,
1: <laughs> but, but I think Medvedev has to, he has to make it extremely physical and, and, you know, to, make make Nick hit a ton of balls, keep moving him side to side, try to get to his legs, try to wear him down. Won't be able to do that in Nick's service games very often because there'll be too many aces flying past him. The other interesting part is when Nick beat him over the summer on the hard courts, he served and volleyed a lot. I'm interested to see if he replicates that pattern and whether Daniel adjusts his position on the return of serve from so far back. He didn't adjust at all the last time, and it killed him. So I think Nick will probably start off with that game plan. And if it's not working, he'll change. But I think we'll see him come in a lot behind his serve and, and pressure Daniel. It could, it, it can't wait to see that match.
0: Yeah, well, so it will be so so entertaining. On the other side of the draw, um, a match that that we're going to talk about TFO and Rafa in a minute. But Cam Norrie and Andre Rublev. Rublev beat Chapo in five yesterday. Uh, Cam Norrie, another guy. He just goes about his business. He doesn't beat himself. He's at a great couple the, the past couple of years have been great he's a tough tough out um that match against rublev is going to be a good one i think
1: yeah i i i think it, that's a that's a that's a real coin flip it's a real coin flip i mean as was the rublev match against Shapovalov that you just alluded to going to the fifth set tie break the the extended tie 10 uh, super tie break extended 10 pointer and that they're using now in the final set of all these majors and i it's a confidence builder to be sure for Rublev to get through it, but he knows he could be in for an equally tough match against a totally different kind of left-hander this time. You know, I mean, Shapovalov is that flashy shot maker going for broke and hitting spectacular winners and making inexplicable errors. But that's not the way Cam Norrie plays tennis. So this one will be interesting to see if Rublev can hit through him, David. I, I think it's potentially another five-setter, you know, his explosive ground game, his power, versus the guile and the, and the craft of Nori.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I may be a slight, the slightest, slightest lean towards, towards Cam, but I'm with you. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's pretty much a pick-em. Um, TFO and Rafa, again, Francis, we, we said it earlier. Yesterday against Schwarzman, that's a match that if these, if these American guys want to take that next step, you have to get through. Francis did plays rafa it's going to be entertaining i believe rafa's 2-0 against him they haven't played a ton of times no you're
1: right david those you're right he is 2-0 and but those matches were three years ago francis is a different player right now yeah so i don't put a lot of stock in that he got killed by rafa and australia and decisively beaten one other time i don't I, I don't think it really means a thing because i that's not to say that i'm i'm giving that i'm picking francis to win it i just think it'll be a much closer hard-fought contest in the end i would i would go with rafa in four sets you know his his percentage play i think in the end and i think he'll also physically get and francis will work have to work awfully hard but i think this will be an entirely different kind of match plus we know that tiafo tiafo will play to the crowd as he always does in in a very beguiling way and Rafa, as he said himself in one of his interviews yesterday, after, the, after the win over Gasquet, he, they're, always, they're always respectful of him. On the other hand, he won't get the, the usual brand of crowd support that he receives. So, so it would be a little bit unnerving at times when Francis is waving his arms to the crowd and they're, and they're euphoric and they're exhilarated. That's going to be a, a very enjoyable match. In the end, I still go for Rafa, but much closer contest than their previous two.
0: And I want to end on the men's side, talking about everybody's favorite, uh, especially the last you know year and a half, Carlos Alcaraz. He's on the top side of Rafa's uh, side of the bracket. You know, the potential is a Friday semifinal, Carlos Alcaraz versus Rafa Nadal. There's some matches that have to happen first, but that would be a tasty semifinal, Steve.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I hope we can get it. I really hope we can get it. I like the way Carlos is playing, particularly like the way that he pulled out the third set from two breaks down against Brooksby. It looked for sure to be going four sets because Brooksby broke twice to go up three love in the third. And then Carlos reels off six straight games in in, in six magnificent games on his part, 24 out of 31 points in that span. He was amazing. So I, I, I hope we get it because I think that all Spanish, confrontation would be a dandy. I mean, we saw them playing a couple of times earlier this year with Carlos losing in a, on an incredibly windy day out in Indian Wells to Rafa in the semis. Then he beat him on the clay. Rafa was not at his best there, He's, so I don't put too much stock in it, but at least it gave Carlos the belief that he can beat him. And I, I could see potentially a five-set a, a, a five collision if they were to meet in the semifinal round.
0: Let me ask you this, and I just thought of it off the top of my head. I want to go to the to the women's side of the draw. You know, with Serena ending uh, her career most likely U.S. Open. You know, you look at Coco Gauff right now, what she did to Madison Keys in the pat, in the previous round. Coco Gauff has a good draw, and she may have to. I mean, I see her coming out in her quarter, and if she plays Anjibor potentially in the semi, that would be a good one. But I think Coco Gauff should easily make the semis. She the way she's played the last couple matches, I would not be shocked if she wins this whole thing. No,
1: I wouldn't either. But the match that I would be concerned about for her would be the the quarterfinal if she played Garcia. Garcia has still got to beat Allison Risk Armitage, which won't be easy. But if it was Garcia, who's really on a good role lately playing some of the best tennis of her career, I could see Coco. That could be pretty hard fought. But otherwise, yeah, I, I, I think th- th- this is an, a tremendous opportunity for Coco. And she, she really did pick apart Madison, totally picked her apart in straight sets. And, and, and she's playing confidently and she's not not double folding too much, not too many lapses. The forehand looking for her pretty solid. So uh, I will follow her with great interest. But I would love to see her play Garcia. I hope we get that match.
0: You can get possibly Garcia, then possibly Javor in the semi, which will be, yeah. which will be yeah. fun to watch too. On the other side, two players that have been playing very well, I think Victoria Azarenka, you obviously know her experience. She's been here many a time. She's been playing great. Another American who's been playing great, Jessica Pagula, right? It took her three sets yesterday. She had match points in the second, but then she cruised in the third. Um, Azarenka, Pagula, and then you also have um, – Sviatek, Lauren Davis played Sviatek last night. Lauren was up 4-1 in the second. Another another tennis pro from Ohio. Um, didn't quite get through, but, but Sviatek, Pagula, Azarenka, Danielle Collins won late last night, Sivalenka. Um, I'm not sure if the winner of the tournament comes from this side. I mean, obviously, Sviatek's the top seed, but there's some good matches still. A lot of good matches left on the women's side. Yeah,
1: I do think if Suyante, it's it's an open question whether she gets to the final. She still doesn't look entirely confident. You alluded to the second set with Davis, which she didn't play that well in the second, but she pulled it out. But if she did make it to the finals, I think the confidence would be there. And she won in the the French Open, was so dominant through the French and winning 37 matches in a row in that stretch of the season. And So I would like her chances if she gets there. I'm just not sure she's going to get there. But listen, you mentioned Pagula. She's going to play Kvitova next Kvitova had a wonderful comeback against Muguruza yesterday I watched most of that match Muguruza had 5-2 in the third set she had some match points at 6-5 and then eventually lost it in the tie break a really hard fought long tie break and uh, Kvitova scraped through that but I still like Pagula's chances with her you know she's so sound and she'll work Petra so hard from the back court that I don't I I like I do like Pagula's chances to win that, and but I wouldn't necessarily like good chances against Riantek. So uh, we could get that as a quarterfinal, and then uh, Azarenka's playing Pliskova, who had a nice win over Benecic. Yes, uh, came from behind to beat her, and uh, and then we're going to have Collins playing Sabalenka to possibly play the, to play the winner Azarenka Pliskova. I, I don't even want to begin to speculate on the on the potential down here because there's so many <laughs> tossed up toss-up
0: matchups right yeah well hey i know uh i I appreciate your time i know you want to get out on site so i'm gonna let you go before we do that steve uh any final thoughts you have uh, unless something crazy happens most likely the next time we speak will be on maybe next monday when we have a winner obviously if something crazy happens we'll try to do something before but um before i let you go any any final thoughts what are you looking forward to today tomorrow of the second week
1: No I mean we just did all those matchups we just talked about there's so many good women's matchups I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing whether Carlos can can uh, you know who made such a deep impression here last year when he beat Sitsipas and might reach the quarters it was almost an announcement of his future greatness I'll, I'll be watching him closely to see, see Rafa may be sensing this might be his last big chance to win the open. Uh, I'm not going to say the last big chance to win a major, because I think if, if he went back to Roland Garros on one leg next year, he'd still probably win the tournament. So, uh, but, but here, I don't know, he, he, he sees all these litany of injuries he's had, and he really wants to take advantage of this, this last chance. I'm watching him closely. I, I, I can't wait to see what happens down the home stretch of this tournament.
0: He generally does play better come the second week of the Sam's, and he's going to have yeah. to play better because he has not played up to his standard during the first three rounds.
1: No. Well, it's a little hard to judge him against Gasquet, who played a pretty abysmal first two sets. And and Richard, with game points or break points, all but one game in the first set and still loses at six love. So, yes. And then Rafa didn't play terribly well in the third, which he finally won 7-5 in the previous two he matches. He had a horrible
0: start against Fanini the first couple, yeah. the first oh, set okay. and
1: down six two four two 4 2 to Fanini. I think he was fortunate. Fanini collapsed and Rafa sort of gathered himself. But he I, I, physically, he didn't look right to me there. I don't know what the problem was. That's where I was slightly encouraged with Gasquet is that I, the movement and the... I just felt like nothing seemed to be holding him back physically. He could play a little better, but it was much more... He, he was much closer to the, the, the real Rafa in that match, at least. But you're right. He's going to have to keep taking it up and not starting with Tiafo. And we'll see. But, I, you know, I just think he's pretty powerfully driven to
0: win his fifth U.S. Open. Amazing. You got to get out there. I'll let you go. Steve, thanks so much for uh, your time early this morning. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, David. Enjoyed it.